Greetings, church. Goodbye, 2020. <laughs> oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts and know enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. What great text. So, Father, we thank you, Lord God. I got the ringing in this thing. Thank you, Lord God, for, for your Holy Spirit that lives within us. And, Lord God, we commit this service to you. We thank you, Father, for your presence, your sweet, sweet presence, Lord God, that is, that is uh, felt here physically, emotionally, Lord God. We thank you so much for it. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear what your scriptures are saying here, Lord, that we've read already. That, Lord God, all things, Lord, we don't know that you're so far above us and beyond us, and yet you want to commu communicate with us. You want to fellowship with us. You know far more than we could even begin to understand, yet you want to have a relationship with us. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord God, to understand what that means, that you actually want to communicate with us. And so we pray, Lord, that as we go through your scriptures this morning, as we hear what your spirit is saying to each one of us, Father God, that you would help us to take what we hear and not just walk out and forget it, but to walk out, Lord God, with an impact on our heart, to go out and to live, Lord God, who you're challenging us and who you're ordaining and who you are, uh, who you've had in mind for us to be in this earth, in this day, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've got four days left of 2020, and we go into a 2021, and praise God, what a year this has been. With all the things that have gone on this past year, it's been amazing for me to watch so many of you praying and working so hard to do what you're sensing God is wanting you to do. And I want to commend you, and so many of you, really, you've been stellar through this time. And it is such a blessing to be a leader of Livingstone's church. And it's really because your heart to do the right thing before God has given you what it takes to keep your head up. And for the most part, the leadership here at Livingstone's church, we've been able to keep the church moving forward in the midst of all of these changes in this past year. And it's been amazing to watch you people of this congregation praying for one another, reaching out to one another, calling and encouraging each other, and also responding to our calls here from the church, uh, as we've called more than normal this past year just to ask for help in different things. And seeing everyone working through the frustrations and the difficulties and pulling together, it's just been really amazing. And it is such a huge blessing to be a leader of... Uh, so many, like in this congregation where the thriving is going on. Many of you are thriving because you have been willing to lay your lives on the altar, saying, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. And so many have uh, exemplified the scriptures that we're going to be taking a look at in Romans chapter 12. We're going to be talking about being a living sacrifice. You know, we've all had our struggles this year. 
But in the meantime, we've all put our hand to the plow and we have kept on plowing. And here, this here, I've just put together a little bit of a list of the things that we've done as a congregation this year at the church. One thing, we started out this spring, we had a work bee, we had a couple of work bees that a number of you had come out and and worked. We had a lot of little fix-ups to do and clean-up to do around the churchyard, outside and inside. A number of people volunteered to cut the grass all summer long, and we had a little bit of patching of walls and painting on the inside, trimming of the trees and the grading of the parking lot, hanging pictures, changing light bulbs, helping people move in our community. That's something that goes on all the time. We get requests from the community for help moving. And uh, many have helped in putting together more than 100 Christmas hampers this year and handed them out. And that is really an awesome thing to hear the testimonies of these people that would pick up these hampers, just amazed by the generosity of Livingstone's church. We've enjoyed it. We've seen a number of people come to know the Lord this past year. And just the last couple of weeks here, we had enjoyed the baptism service. And that, you know, a lot of comments on how refreshing, how nice that was. And it's, it's just something that's sort of been, you know, missing is uh, this fellowship like this. And then seeing that at baptism, it was just uh, such a neat thing to hear the response. And then we've got uh, the teachings that have continued to go on in the church, both here in the building and online. Support groups have started up. Prayer requests have come into the church pretty much daily. Healings have taken place. One, I guess I would share, like with Sunny Bieber. She was uh, given five months because she had colon cancer. They told her she had five months to live. Last time I talked to her, she's gone through radiation and through chemo, and they, she just had her surgery last week, and the doctors told her there's no more cancer in her body. And so she's got a new lease on life. You know, she is just, she's pretty excited about that. And so healing's got to take place in her body, and God is moving there's been tragic losses that have taken place this last year that has been quite sad. And uh, all types of ministry have continued to go on in all kinds of ways in the church. Ministries have been moving forward. And I really appreciate the leadership of Pastor Paul, the elders, and the deacon board who have just kept on keeping on. You know, they've not wavered. They've not fretted. But they just kept on, kept on keeping on. And uh, as the changes have been needed, it's spur of the moment, these changes, like we get a, a notice on Thursday, changes for Sunday. And uh, the changes take place, and it's just amazing the steadiness of the leadership of the church. The office staff, our maintenance staff, maintenance volunteers, and, uh, you know, like we, the people volunteer between the services to clean the pews, to clean up the sanctuary, the foyer in the office. Uh, to get ready for the next service. We're cleaning these pews so much, we're wearing the varnish off the top of the pews. That's going to have to be our work be in the spring is to paint the top of the varnish on the pews. But the, uh, there's so many that have been going the extra mile to make things work in the midst of these changes. And uh, there's so much that's gone on. And I could go on and on and on. All of these things they've required, that have required, required attention around the church and their physical building have has been able to happen because of the request, a response from you as a congregation. 2020 has definitely been a challenging year. And uh, as challenging as it's been, so many have risen to the occasion. Some of us have struggled a little bit more than others, but we've all struggled in some way. And the way so many of you are coming through these difficult times, it really makes me proud to belong to Living Stones Church. 
You know, as years are added to us and we spend time in God's word and spend time just living life, it becomes very apparent that life is a struggle. And we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12 this morning, and as we do, we're going to see that the church of Rome that Paul was writing to, they had their struggles too. In the letter to the Roman church, the apostle Paul's encouraging them to bear down in their time of struggle and do the things that God has already gifted them to do. You see, there was a period when uh, the Christian Jew, Jewish people were asked, forced out of Rome, and they were gone for a period of five years, and in their time away, the church changed. It didn't have that Jewish influence. And so it was mainly Gentiles. So when they come back to the church, they noticed that it had changed, and this caused a real, an incredible tension in the church, and it divided the church. And the Jewish Christians, they came back, they were accusing the Christian Gentiles of blasphemy. And they were demanding that they were to eat kosher. And that means eat food that was prepared in accordance with the Jewish dietary laws. They were demanding that the Gentiles keep the Sabbath. And they were telling the Gentiles that unless you're circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. And the Apostle Paul's writing to encourage the unity in the church. And so we see one verse that really points this out is verse uh, 12 and... Uh, uh, chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, and it says, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. See, this is the tension that Paul is telling them that they are not to be like the nations or the people around them that don't know him, but they're to be different. They're to think differently. And that is the sacrifice to the surrendered life that, he's, that God is requiring from them and from us. So he says, so dear brothers, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 here, he says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that will he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let... God, transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn and know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So obviously this is going to take <clears throat> some work for these people to live this type of sacrificed life. But like these people, God is asking us to give our bodies as a living sacrifice today. He's asking us to put our lives on the altar. He's uh, to willingly say, yes, Lord, my life is yours to do as you please and as you see fit because you know best. Here I am, send me. Jesus makes it clear that there are only two paths in life. There's the broad path that most people are going on and then there's the narrow path which few people find. Jesus was preaching, and he was saying, you, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus was challenged by those that he was preaching to, and they said to him, they said, but we are descendants of Abraham. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? We have never been slaves to anyone, they said. They were, these people, they were totally oblivious to the bondages that they were under. They were under the bondage of the Roman Empire, 
And plus, they were under the bondage of sin that they never even recognized because they figured that they had a right just by being the descendants of Abraham. And, you know, we have to guard our hearts that we don't become like the people that Paul is writing to, talking about when he's writing to Timothy, when he says that there's a time coming, and I think that we can see it is here, when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow after their own desires, and they will look for teachers who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. They will reject, reject the truth and chase after myths. Isaiah says this, he says, Our courts oppose the righteous. The justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets, and honesty has been outlawed. This here is a very clear picture of the broad path. Courts oppose the righteous. The justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets, and honesty has been outlawed. So the Apostle Paul, he's pleading with the Roman people, the Roman church, and he's saying to them, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for, for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. He's wanting these people to see that they are to react differently to the tensions that they're experiencing as Christians. They were being challenged to be different people. As we move out to encourage one another, helping one another, doing the things that God has gifted each one of us to do, this is when we're going to be thriving. And as we're thriving, our poor world is going to just stress on. Paul goes on to challenge them, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. There you go, you got license to not feel like you got to know it all. As you're sharing with people that, that don't know the faith and they ask you a question that's difficult, that's okay. I think they just about would respect us if we don't seem like we have all the answers. That we say, hey, you know, give me a chance to look at that, you know, check that out and I'll get back to you with that. Don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do the things or do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. Life is way too short. It's way shorter than we really realize it is. And we don't want to waste our time and our energy with revenge or vengeful thoughts, vengeful thinking about how we can get even or get back or they shouldn't have done this. We want to give that to God. He'll take care of it. Nobody's going to get away with anything, and we can rest in that. And I think in that, we, it opens up our hearts to hear and to be led by the Spirit of God. God will take care of these things. He knows all things. He says instead, he says, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now this looks like here that this is a choice that we have to make. 
And this one here, we have to be different because this is not the way the world thinks. And this is a perfect picture of the narrow path. Are we on the narrow path this morning? Paul says, and, dear, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies as a living sacrifice because of all that God has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that will, he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We all struggle with these restrictions that we've been experiencing over 2020. Just the fight to get everybody to wear a mask. I know I'm probably one of the last standing that I don't want to wear a mask, but I've given myself, I'll wear a mask. <laughs> because, you know, it's just like, if that's all we got to struggle about, boy, life is pretty good. With all that we hear coming from, you know, a number of people who really have no hope in life in comparison to the hope that we have as God's people. You know, it, it's, we can't, we've got to recognize that, hey, God is the one that has the final say. We have a hope because of all that God has done for us. A verse that has really helped me in my heart over the years is Romans chapter 8, verse 2, where it says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. You know, so what do we have to fear? Scripture is very clear that it's, this world is not our home and that we're sojourners, that we're walking toward a promised land, and it's a place that all of our hearts long for. And this is what every human heart is longing for. Deep down inside is this promised land that God is trying and working to get people to. And even as we march on, none of us can deny the pain and the strain and the struggle and the perseverance that we've all had to experience in 2020 and are still experiencing even now. Our endurance is being developed within us, just as James says in chapter 1, verse 2, when he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. Now, when I was a younger believer and I was going through an incredible time of struggle, and I read this verse and I got thinking, this can't be meaning what it's saying. Consider it pure joy when you're facing these trials, these difficulties. And so I thought I would look into it and I couldn't find anything that would tell me it meant anything different. It means consider it great joy. And we see it, it says in the next two verses, for you know that your faith, when your faith is being tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. He says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Reading, um, so we struggle on. And what I see, I have this interesting picture in my spirit that I've had for quite some time, and it's a picture of this, this big spring. And I just, as the pressure's coming on us, I just see this spring being pressed down, that God is allowing this pressure to come on us. And as God is allowing this more and more pressure, I see him eventually stepping back and letting this spring go. And then I see that as he does, I see many people coming to know him. I see that the church rising up in excitement and appreciation of so much that we have taken for granted for so long now, because it's been very easy and very good for a long period of time. And when we, the dust settles, you know, I believe that we're going to see a new appreciation for the things that we've gotten common to, and I think that we're going to, uh, in this appreciation and God's blessing, we're going to appreciate so much more that the world is going to see this in us. And we're going to be given a reason for a hope that lies within us. 
And we need to be encouraged because as we read the scriptures, it's not hard to see that life is a struggle for all of us. There's not a person on the face of the earth where life is not a struggle. As uh, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas were finishing their, last, their first missionary journey, they were, it says that after preaching the good news in Derbe and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Poseidon, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith and reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of heaven. Our experiences in this past year are a perfect example, I think, of why this message needs to be heard. In order for us to go through these difficulties in life in a healthy way, we ha- it can only happen as we learn to live life the way that God intended for us to live it according to his word. And this is what God sent Jesus for, to hold out a hand of hope to a dying world, to all of the human race. And this is the way he's saying. He says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. People need to know this. And people don't know this. They're more ignorant toward the truth today than they ever have been. I think because of the boldness against truth. It's very aggressive, the spirit of the world. Very aggressive against the the truth. And so what is God asking you, asking of you, and are you willing? He is asking of all of us something. And none of us are exempt from the responsibility of being the truth in a world that is going down the broad path, the broad way that is coming to a very sad end. I was sitting on the couch and I was talking to Karen this morning about the broad way and the narrow way. I had a picture of this person walking up the Broadway, right up the center of the Broadway, and the Broadway's wide, and there's just tons of people, all kinds of chatter, and kinds of partying, and kinds of busyness, arguing like everything down this garden path, and I see this person's going up against the grain, against the flow, and they're going up, and they're proclaiming, you know, you're on the wrong path, you're on the wrong path, because at the end of this path, it's going off a cliff, and trying, and the majority of people not paying any attention, not listening, the odd person just mocking them, But then the odd person, I see this person far up the road looking and seeing this person coming up and saying something. And as they get closer, they're hearing them, saying they're on the wrong path. And as they walk up and they get close to them and and they're listening and then they're curious, they're saying, you know, what is he saying? A wrong path? There's something they care. And then they take a hold and they listen to this person and then they get onto the right path in life. You know, we can't let the broadness of the broad way discourage us from proclaiming the gospel, the truth. Because people don't know. And there are people on this path that are searching and that want to know. And like Paul says, how are they going to know unless we preach it? And now it's not a time for us to be sitting back. Jesus says to work while it is day. The night is coming when no man will work. The word gave life to everything created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot distinguish it, extinguish it. Now, there's an enemy to all of this, and it says this enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy comes to crush every ounce of hope that a person can have, and if it were possible, take every single person to hell. He's a liar, and he's wanting to do nothing but destroy this hope. But there's 
a great answer to all of this. Jesus has come to give life. He's not only come to give life, but he's come to give life more abundantly. God is giving hope right now to all of those who want life. His arms are wide open. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. And here it is. Life is being offered right now, this morning. And I have to ask, you know, will you reach out and take the hand of the Lord and receive the life that Jesus is offering? I received this life some 40 years ago, and God has never taken it back. I've had and I have this assurance. I know that I know that I know my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And that's something that only God can give. And after all these years and all my experiences, I know it's true. Sure, I've had experiences, experienced a number of crises. And yes, there were times where life looked very hopeless. And times when I felt like life would never be happy again. But God was always there with me and I knew it. I could feel him. I could sense him. The life everlasting is not something that's here today and gone tomorrow. What God is offering you today is something that is here to stay. And he adds no sorrow to it. He's a good God. And who has nothing but good in mind for people. Why is it that we resist this? That is a good question. Why do we resist what God is trying to give us and offer us when it is good? The biggest lie that the enemy speaks is that life is better without living it according to the way that God intended for mankind to live it. Offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, there's nothing more satisfying than living out God's will and doing that with our lives. We're created in the image of God, and it is living this and living in his image, being like him is when we find life. When we find real life. Are you stressed this morning? Are you full of anxiety this morning? Is the instability of our whole world getting the best of you? Suicides are up all around the world. They're up tremendously. People have no hope. Suicide is saying there is no hope. But I'm telling you this morning, there is hope. Believe me that if you think that you can escape the pain, you're believing a lie. And you know what I think that would happen to you? Like if you give your life to the Lord and you recognize that, hey, Jesus is Lord. You'd be saying to yourself, why haven't I done this a long time ago? And one day you'd be saying to yourself, God is so good to me. And if this is you, I just want to speak to you who have maybe never heard the message or have never responded to the message. Scripture says that today is a day of salvation. And I believe that you die as you live. I've been with a number of people as they've been passing away as a pastor and strangers because we take that hospital phone every once in a while and, and you get called into situations that maybe there's no family member that is... a. Christian or a pastor in their lives, you get into those situations and you're talking with people just before they're dying. For the most part, they do not change. They cannot change on their deathbed. It's an amazing thing to me. But 
Today is the day of salvation. And if you're feeling a tug on your heart, today is the day to respond. Because you don't know that you're going to get the chance again before you die. You don't know that you're ever going to hear the message again. You don't know that you're going to respond tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. And so I want to pray a prayer for any, anybody that would want to pray this prayer. And I just would ask that you to bow your heads with me. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would come into my life. And I pray that you just pray this prayer with me. Forgive me, Lord God, for the sins that I've committed all through my life. I thank you, Jesus, that you died for me, that you took my place of sacrifice. I thank you, Jesus, that I can be saved. I ask you to come into my life and be Lord of my life. I receive you now as my Savior. Amen. And I want you to, if you've prayed that prayer, there's a connect card you can click on online, and uh, here at the church, you can go to the reception areas and there's a connect card. I want you to take that card and fill it out because this is only the start. Jesus had to grow in wisdom and stature. We have to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to grow in our knowledge and understanding. It says that he's given the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist for the maturing of the saints until we all grow into the fullness and the knowledge of Christ. We need to grow in that. And we have ministries at the church that can help with that. And maybe you're a believer and have been a believer for a long time. We have ministries that maybe you should be involved in as a mentor. But maybe you feel like you need to learn the foundations of the faith. You know, what's baptism really about? What is the Holy Spirit about? What does it mean about laying on of hands? All these things. We have a discipleship ministry where we have mentors that would walk through these things step by step with you and help you to grow in your faith. And then... So I want you to click on that connect button and just let us know. We'd love to hear from you. I would connect with you personally if you contact us. And if you've been struggling over this past year, 2020, I have got the perfect verse for you. If you're tired and you're weary and you feel like you're at your wit's end, you feel like you can hardly go on, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 and 13 says, and this is a living Bible, a paraphrased living Bible, which you don't see anymore. And there's probably a reason for that. But... It says, take a new grip with your tired hands. Stand firm on your shaky legs and mark out a straight, smooth path for those that are following that they don't stumble and fall. That's a great verse. And that verse, I received that verse when I was going through one of the lowest times that I think I ever experienced in my life of depression. And that was a verse that was on a fridge at a friend's place as we were over there for dinner. And I took that verse, and I've never forgot that verse, and I don't think I ever will forget that verse, because it was one that I hung on to, and at that time, I had to take a new grip with my tired hands and stand firm on my shaky legs, because they were really shaken at the time. So this morning, we're all being called to give our lives as a living sacrifice. We either say yes to the Lord, or we say no, not right now. And there are no really other options in life. There's the broad way that most people are going on. There's the narrow way where people are given their lives, put their lives on the altar and said, yes, Lord, here am I, send me. So you're either on the broad way or you're on the narrow way. Few find this narrow way. And it's being, you're being pointed to it this morning. And I would say, don't be looking away and get on that narrow path because you may never find it again because few find it. So I'd just like us to stand as we close the service in prayer. And I would, I wanna, I'm going to ask you 
to make a, just a commitment to the Lord tonight. I want us to bow our heads, and I want us to just have a moment of silence. And I want you to, like Jesus says, you know, to count the cost. And I want us to just bow our heads in a moment of silence and just ask the Lord, you know, Father, am I able to do this? Because I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to him this morning of your bodies to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to people this morning. And I pray that you'll hear what he's saying to you. And I want to challenge you that you're not going to enter God's kingdom on your own terms. And you're not even going to enter his kingdom on your own time. The Lord is saying today is the day of salvation. And I just want to encourage you that, you know, before God, just like I don't know, in your own heart. This is between you and him. Father, we just come before you and we pray, Lord God, that we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord God. How can we ever argue with you? How can we ever think that you owe us anything? Everything is created by you and for you and your glory and your honor. No man comes to the Father except when you draw us. And Father God, you're speaking to us this morning and I pray that you'd open every ear that is in hearing of this message, Father God, I pray for conviction of your Holy Spirit, and I pray for encouragement. I pray for your goodness, Lord, just to flood every single heart. You know, the prayers that have gone up, Father God, previous to all of this, Father, to strip away the deafness and the blindness so I know that people are hearing it. And I pray those, Father God, that would respond, that you would just pour out your Holy Spirit in their lives right now in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we commit ourselves to you. We pray, Lord God, here, I'm, here we are, Lord God, as a congregation. Here we are as individuals. Send us. You're requiring of us, Lord God, our lives. And so we commit ourselves to you, Father God. There is a day coming when we will enter our rest. But today, Lord God, we need to work because there's a coming a day when there, there will be no more light. And so, Father, we just commit ourselves to you and pray that as we put our lives on the altar, you say that we will know your good and perfect and pleasing will. And so we put our lives in the altar, and I pray, Lord God, that there would be clarity in your will in every life, Lord God, for every person that's hearing and responding with a yes to you. So I bless your people, Father God, and we thank you for your grace and your mercy and the power of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as we go this morning.